if you all will remain standing and with the same spirit in which you heard that wonderful offertory, we're going to sing together, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. Thanks, Princeton. Thank you, everyone. You can be seated now. We're excited to have Bev Copley with us today, who is our district superintendent in the Northern Piedmont District. And um, she's a faithful servant of God. 
Uh, I know that because she faithfully uh, is guiding and directing our hundred and something, uh, close to 50 churches, I think, in the district by supervising and overseeing us and being the um, missional strategist uh, chief among us and guiding and directing us. Uh, I also know that she's faithful because she's a Wake Forest graduate and a Wake Forest fan, and you know that that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, Jenny and I were at BB&T Field last night till about 11.45, and they almost eked out a victory on the gridiron. A lot of people had left, but to the very end, uh, the true fans, the faithful, were there. Bev is faithful uh, to Wake Forest as a fan and a graduate, but also to Christ in serving and leading us through our United Methodist Church. And so it's a joy to have you with us today. And um, you have as much time as you want because we're feeding people after. And so let the Spirit lead and speak to us. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. There's always a certain amount of pressure when lunch follows the service, and I'll try to be very faithful. It was not a great day in college football yesterday, but it is a great day here. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for allowing me a few minutes to not only watch Mark lead, but to lead aside him today with you all. Thank you for letting me hear you affirm Lucas and his work that was heartfelt this morning. And thank you for letting me watch Sherry's witness to your children today. And, and happy birthday to Noah as well. I want to also thank, say thank you for living out Francis Asbury's work at this location for 227 years, for being those who have come along and behind and for being here today in whatever capacity you're here as a member faithfully serving every week as a guest just today as perhaps a, a new visitor this morning thank you thank you also for feeding people in your community thank you for clothing people not only in body, but in soul and in spirit. Thank you for that. And thank you for asking together over many, many generations for the ancient paths. I'll read more about those in just a few minutes, but that's our topic this morning. The ancient paths. What's it like to seek the good way? I want to thank you for the rest that you found here in your own souls here in the sanctuary, for the inspiration that you have offered other people. You see, God loves us so much. God honors us every day with new mornings and new opportunities. God surprises us with lavish love. And what a gift that is in a hard and sometimes lonely world. Your district superintendent was lonely. I was a lonely teenager. I don't know if any of you were or are lonely teenagers. I was raised as the oldest of four children, and my parents were always busy. I was a bookworm. I still am. I love the library. I was a friend to all. All were a friend to me. I was a jack of all friendships, yet master of none. So I didn't have many close friends. 
as a teenager when I wasn't working on my class rank so I could get into Wake Forest. <laughs> I was teaching little kids how to swim at the local YMCA. It was less than a block from my house and only a few steps farther was a church and I joined that church. It wasn't to take up with a denomination. In fact, I'll tell you a secret, it wasn't even United Methodist. It was because I was lonely, and I wanted to go on mission trips with the best youth group ever. That youth group was called, and is still called even today, Acts Alive. Isn't that a fabulous name, Acts Alive? Acts, like the 28-chapter storybook of the early church that's nestled in your New Testament between John and Romans, I was inclined to take Jesus' ancient message with those young people to the ends of the earth, just like it says in Acts 1.8. Acts alive. Alive as in not dead. That appealed to me, and it still does. A few years later, I wasn't quite as lonely as I had been, I'm glad to report, and I joined a college Bible study. Again, it wasn't to join a denomination. It wasn't to eventually become a district superintendent. If I can be honest, I didn't even know what a district superintendent was. But what I was joining was a place where I could connect to that same very ancient faith where I could bring donuts and I could share my little work-study offering in worship where I could know and be known. Long story short, something happened to me in those years. I fell in love with our winsome Jesus. Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago, who taught sharing and caring at all costs, who was criticized for being generous with people, who coped with fake news just like we do, who was accused of scandal and put to death as a criminal. I fell in love with this man, whose followers were persecuted for hundreds of years and whose movement has been tried and tested and tempted and sometimes even tortured. I'm happy to report, though, that 30 years later, I'm still more in love with Jesus today than I ever have been. Our love has not faded with age. His message is still on point. No matter the year, no matter the decade, no matter the millennia. And I'm still quite committed to acts coming alive. I'm a big fan of first century Christianity. What John Wesley lovingly calls the primitive church. If my Christianity ever ceased to be an ancient faith, I, I think I would die of despair. I still believe in and I still practice ancient Christianity. Call me an old soul, I still go to the library. But I think you also might call me a futurist. 
The prophet Jeremiah was not unfamiliar with this sensation. He too loved ancient paths well before Jesus came on the scene. Poor Jeremiah. I wouldn't have wanted to be Jeremiah. How about you, Mark? Having that hard task of calling a rebellious nation to repentance. It's got to be scary when the Lord says things to you like, do not be afraid of them. I will be with you to deliver you. When the Lord says to you, gird up your loins, that's a warning, isn't it? Tell him everything I've commanded you. When the Lord says, do not break down before them. When the Lord says, you are a fortified city, Jeremiah, an iron pillar, a bronze wall, they will fight against you. Jeremiah had a hard job. He was preaching to a culture that had not only forsaken the fountain of living water, they had replaced it with their own dirty cisterns. They were being poisoned spiritually. They had moved far away from the ancient life-giving paths. That sounds painfully familiar, doesn't it? Scripture says they had been naughty on every high hill and under every green tree. That's Jeremiah 3, 6. And when they did return to God briefly, like on Sunday mornings, it was only in pretense. But you know, God is so good. And God is so God that God never gives up, even on a nation that has slipped even on a nation that is poisoning itself and others, even on a nation that's producing more and more poison each day, there was so much greed and so much dishonesty. There was so much indifference. There was so little faith. But God never gives up. God says, I will bring you to Zion I will give you shepherds after your own heart. Those days, these days, are a time for what Jeremiah called plaintive weeping, that real boo-hooing, big tears, sad, mournful weeping, a good cry after watching the news. You see, God's trying to get the people's attention and ours through this amazing, courageous prophet. But the people want to kill him. And we might have wanted to kill him too. But Jeremiah keeps issuing an invitation to a new life and a new covenant. Break up your fallow ground, he says. Wash your hearts. Isn't that a beautiful image? Wash your hearts. This is the context in to which today's lesson is written. Wrath is pouring out on the streets. People are dealing falsely with each other into this environment and into your homecoming. Jeremiah speaks, and this is what he says. For from the, the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, Everyone deals falsely. Ouch. 
They have treated the wound of my people carelessly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. They've acted shamefully, they've committed abomination, yet they were not ashamed. They did not know how to blush. What an image. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, and here's the good news. Stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Let us pray. Eternal God, we too stand with Jeremiah and his people at a crossroads in history. They weren't bad people, Lord, you know that, but they didn't stand up. They wouldn't stand out and they would not call for justice or kindness or love. Help us be aware of being at a crossroads too. Homecoming itself is a crossroads. And here at these crossroads, give us a faith that is ancient and a hope that is anchored in you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. Crossroads. We can usually tell when we're driving towards one, flashing lights, signs. I passed through a few crossroads on the way out to Pleasant Garden this morning. On roads, crossroads are pretty easy if you're paying attention. You can tell when you're coming up to one. In life, it's harder, isn't it? We may not know we're at a crossroads. We might miss the moment and only realize it much later. Hey, hey, that was a crossroads in my life. I want you to think about your most recent crossroads, no matter what has brought you here today. Has that crossroads been in your family life, your personal ministry, your career? Has it been a crossroads for this church? Has it been a crossroads in this community? We're in the midst of great cultural change right now. Crossroads are happening every day, and no one will deny it. No one should put their, hand, their heads in the sand right now and say, no, we're not changing. There's no change in our world. I still go to the library, but I understand there are other ways to read books now. But let us not panic. This is not the first time our culture has shifted, and it probably will not be the last. It might be the first time in some of your lives, or maybe just the first time you've noticed. But I promise it's not the first time that our culture's been at a crossroads. We know this from reading Jeremiah, who says to us, stop at the crossroads, look around. Ask, stop, ask for the ancient paths. Ask where is the good way. Then walk in it. Stop, ask, walk, and find a resting place for yourselves.
But they said, we won't go. The people said no. They didn't want a good way. They wanted no rest. They said, no, we will not walk in the ancient way. Is this the story that we want to tell about the 21st century? Is this how we want to behave at our crossroads? Because, you see, God is still sending prophets into our midst who are trying to invite us back to the ancient paths, back into life-giving relationships, back into face-to-face -face conversations, back into kindness, back into gentleness, back into trust, back into the love of God and neighbor. Prophets are calling, 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 calling. Ask for the ancient paths, good, restful paths, paths in which we treat each other with dignity and love. Recently, I was privileged to return to the first church that I pastored in the conference. That's been more than a hot minute. <laughs> to officiate at the funeral of a 96-year-old Palestinian physician, Dr. Cute. Dr. Cute was an immigrant who came to the little town of Statesville 70 years ago to become the town's first gynecologist and obstetrician. His son is now the mayor of that city. Dr. Cute's funeral gave me a chance to connect the ancient faith with the present faith and to hope about a future faith. In my line of work, we talk a lot about future Christians. That's what missional strategists do, by the way. We can get fixated on our own perpetuation, can't we? But you see, Christianity is a long faith with a great history. So I don't obsess as much as a lot of people do about the future. I believe the future church will not come from our hand-wringing or our self-absorption or our worry in meetings. The future church will come springing back from its ancient roots, roots that Dr. Hannah Cute witnessed, loved, and practiced. I'm rather fond of ancient Christians, and by that I don't just mean senior citizens, although I do love senior citizens, and he did qualify for that designation. I mean practitioners of the biblical faith, people who understand the sacrificial ministry of Jesus, people who know the importance of the Jordan River, people who know the trials of Palestine's ancient cities. Hannah Cute was an ancient Christian, baptized in the Jordan, living to be 96 years old, holding to an ancient faith from an ancient land, practicing the ancient Christian ethic, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And with his neighbor, he practiced Jesus' own golden rule. Let us ask ourselves if we practice it. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. He had a generous spirit. Love your fellow man. And for heaven's sakes, help your fellow woman, especially when she was in need of good prenatal care 
and the safe delivery of a baby. To Statesville, Dr. Cute carried his ancient faith from an ancient and holy land. He came from that land to serve and to share the life of his city. He was trusted to bring generations of families into the world. He was a part of the genesis, the beginnings of family. He was a part of the exodus of pregnancy and childbirth. He wandered with his patients on their journey. He helped deliver them in due time. He was with people in their times of greatest joy, their times of greatest fear, and sometimes, as you know, their times of greatest sadness. That's what doctors do. That's what neighbors do. I share Dr. Cute's story with you this morning because, like all of us, he stood at many crossroads. From Palestine to Lebanon, from Lebanon to little statesville of all places, always thinking he would return to Palestine. But politics and violence prevented that. So instead of crossing back over the ocean, he crossed into city streets, into relationships with people like you, into the care of his new neighbors, into parenthood, into retirement, into life as a lonely widower. The crossroads from doctor to patient, from caregiver to care recipient, buried in North Carolina so far from where he had started, but a place that had become home in a very biblical way. He was a patriarch. He was a pilgrim. He was a prophet. I bet you have patriarchs and pilgrims and prophets right here and every single one of them every single one of you has been at a crossroads what makes life at the crossroads meaningful for you what is the hope that you have as the anchor for your soul in a changing culture. For me, it's Jesus. Present at every transition, on duty 24-7 at all of our crossroads. Even this one, this pleasant stop that we make this morning this crossroads of worship and food before you enter the world again for service. Jesus is the rest that can be found at every intersection. Jesus is the good way, and he will always reveal the next steps. It's his cause that will always define for us what the good way is. Church is about looking together for the ancient paths, looking backwards and forwards and side to side. Together, we become the early church, lest we should become the late church.
and in church we find something that we cannot do alone. In the church I found rest, even as a lonely teenager. In the church I found my purpose for my whole life. May your personal witness be filled with ancient and sacrificial faith. May you receive your nourishment at the crossroads of this special homecoming. And may you minister at the crossroads to God's beloved people today and always. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.